Welcome to the Bayside Sports Pod. I'm your host, Seth Tao. I'm a sports reporter for the Star Democrat, covering the Eastern Shore for APG Chesapeake. Be sure to keep up with all of our episodes at the Star Democrat website, or on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at Seth Tao, and follow us on Instagram at stardem underscore sports. Hey there, this is episode 10 of the Bayside Sports Pod. Thanks for listening. On this episode, I talked with Trayvon Miles of 47 ABC in Salisbury. We discussed the Black Lives Matter movement and how it's been in the spotlight once again with NBA players sitting out of playoff games this week in protest of Jacob Blake's shooting in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the injustices black people face every day. And we talked about what it means locally on the Eastern Shore and what people can do to get involved out here. It wasn't the easiest conversation to have, but these conversations aren't easy. It was an important conversation, and I think you'll agree when you hear Trayvon's perspective on these issues. So again, thanks for listening, and enjoy. So joining me on the podcast today, we have Trayvon Miles from 47ABC, our first repeat guest on the Bayside Sports Pod. Trayvon, how's it going? I'm doing good, Seth. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, doing well, hanging in here, up, up here. Trayvon's down in Salisbury. Congratulations on your seven-year anniversary, by the way. Thanks, man. It, it's been quite a long time, man, but it's, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, so we're going to transition, I guess. The, we normally talk a lot about sports on this podcast, and we're gonna, we'll talk a little bit about some things going on in sports right now, but it's going to be a little different than most other Bayside sports pods look. We're going to get into the NBA protests and the just general sports protests and everything that's going on in this country right now. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking I had spent all day yesterday kind of trying to think, okay, how am I going to go about covering this? I was thinking about write a story, read out, reach out to some coaches and local athletes. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, I think it would be better to try to do this as a podcast with somebody like, you know, like somebody who actually is black, who can really relate on a more personal level to what's going on with it, instead of me trying to take what somebody else tells me about it and put it in my own words. Gotcha. So I think we need to open this up. I think it's important to unequivocally say, look, black lives do matter. We can't get away. We can't stop saying that. And we can't get away from that topic. Absolutely. I think you're, I, I think you're spot on. Um, <clears throat> and before I, uh, before I go on, I want to say that, you know, anything that I, you know, that we talk about on here is, you know, strictly beliefs of mine. Um, so, you know, I just want to give that disclaimer. All good. All good. So, you know, I don't want to get into politics with this really, because I just don't, I don't think it's a political issue. Everything that's going on right now, I think it's an issue of what's right and what's wrong. And it, it's, not, it's not left or right or red or blue or anything like that. It's what's right and what's wrong. Right. You, you obviously have a perspective of everything going on with our country right now that I don't. So I guess shine a light on that perspective a bit. What, are, what, what, are, what have you been, been your thoughts on everything going on? I guess both the last few days and even the last few months. Oh, man, it's, it's been very powerful <clears throat> um, to see um, what's, what's been going on. And, you know, is, you know it, it is you know, something to hear, you know, people say what's, you know, something that's been going on, you know, the past couple months or the past, you know, past, you know, as this pandemic has uh, came, 
you know, with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Jacob Blake, even later subject, um, you know, but for somebody like myself and, you know, other black people, I feel like we can relate that this is, you know, kind of going on our entire life. You know, I, I think, um, I think everybody can relate to, or not, maybe I won't even say everybody, but a lot of people of color can relate to the fact that, you know, police have been, uh, you know, been brutal and, and has, you know, not just, not just police brutality as in shooting or, you know, discrimination and all of those other things. Um, so it's not something for me um, that's, you know, just happened over these past couple months. I think what we're seeing over these past couple months is the strong implementation of the sports figures that we see uh, using their power and using their voice um, to kind of say enough is enough. And, um, you know, these incidents that happen, they're only shining light on, you know, these, these are, these are a couple of instances that have shined, you know, that are shining a light on what's been happening in this country for a long time. Yeah, I, I think that's pr pretty well said. You know, and I find it so sad and so frustrating that all these things keep happening, even as like the protests have picked up and as, as it's been in the national spotlight for a few months, it, it still just very clearly hasn't gone away with, you know, what happened in Wisconsin very recently. And, you know, that's just, it's still with, with all the awareness that's been brought to it within the sports world and just within the, the, the country as a whole. I mean, it must be even more, you know, for as frustrating as it is for me to watch all of this happen and to be witnessing this moment in history where it just continually happens, it's got to be even more frustrating on your end, right? Yeah, I saw the sign that said, um, you know, you've probably seen it on social media. If you're tired of hearing about racism, imagine how sick people are of experiencing it. And I think that that's very true. Um, but I also think, you know, for as much as, you know, these experiences are traumatizing, you know, it is important for people to share their story and share the things that are going on with them, <clears throat> um, you know, because, you know, the hope is for one day for things to be different. Um, but, you know, like you said, uh, to start this, um, one thing that I'm seeing that has, has really bothered me is how this movement has, you know, people have hijacked this movement to try to make it political. I don't think there's anything political about equality. That should not be a debate. You know, people should be treated equal. You know, criminals should be treated like criminals, you know, but people should be treated equal. Um, and, you know, because someone breaks the law doesn't mean that they should be killed. You know, there are checks and balances in this country um, and, and there's right or wrong. Um, and everyone knows that. But, you know, I just think that this whole thing has, you know, people are trying to hijack the movement and say, oh, this Black Lives Matter is this or this Black Lives Matter is that. You know, what you want it to be or what you understand it to be is not the majority of what the people understand it to be and the people that are making the statement are saying you know so i think that that is the latest ploy by people who don't want to see this movement go on is oh i want to stay out of politics so i'm not really you know 
you know, I'm not, you know, because of my position or because of my job, I want to, you know, but for me, there is nothing political and there is nothing political and there is nothing um, that should be controversial about standing up for the rights of people of color. And I think that's something that you don't even have to be a person of color to, you know, to, to want to see happen. So, um, yeah, man, I think, you know, and I've been talking to a whole, a lot of different people about a lot of different subjects. And I think that we are seeing, or I'm hoping that we are seeing a kind of changing of the guard where people are really seeing these examples and seeing the, the wrongdoings um, that happen and are saying, you know, there are non-people of color that are saying, look, you know, we understand now that our silence is complicit and us turning the other way and acting like these things aren't going on, aren't going on is kind of un-American to me. So, I mean, I really, um, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that this movement right now and, and the NBA is doing a tremendous job of what they're doing and the WNBA doing a tremendous job of spearheading this. I said it on Twitter a couple of weeks or a couple of days ago. I think when it's all said and done, just like the history books you and I read in school about a lot of this history, the NBA and the WNBA will be in these page, in those pages because of what they're doing now, because we've never seen anything quite like what they're doing. And people try to act like they don't understand why it's happening. But you see the continuous news cycle now is not LeBron James. It's not Damian Lillard. It, it, it's these players want rights and want equality, um, you know, you know, for what's been going on. So there are people that try to, you know, try to knock the movement and try to do other things to it. But, you know, just like, you know, the movements of the 60s and, and the 80s, you know, I think this is just going to continue on. Yeah, I keep coming back to that graphic or image that's circulating on social media. It's been circulating on social media for a while now. They're the top and bottom things where with all the fists and there, there's the one where this is what people think Black Lives Matter is with the black fist raised above all of the other fists when it then here's what, I, what it really is. And it's just all the fists on equal ground. Together, together. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't, I don't think, I mean, come on, you know, I don't think that anyone wants to be treated, you know, better than anyone else. You know what I mean? So, you know, I just think that people want to finally see a level playing field and just to be treated equal. And that doesn't take away, um, you know, me being treated equal, Seth, doesn't take away from you. You know, I mean, <laughs> I don't know where people get this connotation or this notion that, you know, because I'm treated equal, someone else isn't going to be, you know, I mean, it's just, I don't know. There are a bunch of monkey wrenches that are trying to be thrown in this. Um, but at the end of the day, the people that are reasonable are seeing what's up. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get into the sports aspect a little bit of it. You know, it was a couple, it's been a couple of days now when the Bucks didn't come out for their game five playoff game against the Magic. You know, I got home from work that day, was turning the game on, excited to watch basketball for the evening, and then I saw all that happening, and it was just pretty surreal for the rest of the day. I guess when you when you saw all of that playing out, what was going through your mind? 
Oh, man, I was <clears throat> at work inside my station, and I had just, you know, turned the game on. And, of course, you know, you see uh, all kinds of tweets is what you see first, you know, before stuff is even going on on TNT and stuff like that. You see the tweets from Woj. You see the tweets from Sham, uh, Shams. And, um, you know, I just I, – I first thought that something had happened and something was going on, but then it hit me that these shootings had gone on in Kenosha, Wisconsin, and the Milwaukee Bucks were Wisconsin's, you know, home state basketball team. So, you know, it kind of hit me at the same time um, that, you know, the Bucks didn't come out, that, you know, they were potentially, potentially protesting. Um, and once they didn't come out in the beginning, I didn't feel like they were coming out later. You know, so I obviously didn't know that this would last a couple of days. And I think the NBA just announced that the games will be played on Saturday. Um, but, you know, I mean, I think it's heroic what the league is doing. Um, and, you know, while we, you know, talk about the NBA, the WNBA, I mean, these ladies have been at the forefront of every single issue every single time. And it's not just uh, their players, you know, and their coaches. It's their entire league. They are all on board. They all know what they want. They are, they are better unionized than the NBA. They have a united front, the WNBA does. So I don't want to count the ladies out, what they are doing um, with the Jacob Blake shirts and the, you know, the painting of the bullet holes on the back of the shirts. Just powerful stuff uh, from these ladies. Um, but, you know, obviously the NBA gets more of the attention and – you know, even what, what they're, they've been doing um, has been very heroic and, you know, very admirable um, to kind of put themselves second um, to this movement. So, you know, anything that they are trying to do, uh, you know, I'm hoping the league that they get unified because they have a lot of different alpha males down there in one place and they had a, have a lot of different egos, but I'm hoping that they get unified and kind of get on one accord. Yeah, you mentioned it. I don't remember which WNBA team it was that did that, but the the shirts with the bullet holes in, in the back, that was maybe the most powerful image that I've seen over the last couple of days. The Washington Mystics, yes. And that's just what the WNBA does. I mean, these ladies, man, they are amazing. I mean, we, we, we talk all about the NBA all the time, but the stuff that they are able to do and the messages that they want to to send out, um, you know, they, they can't be silenced, you know, so it's, it's pretty amazing. The defending champs, the Washington Mystics um, with the bullet holes painted on their back, man, that is, you know, I think, you know, for people to see that really puts a lot into perspective. So, as I said, you know, that day just felt pretty surreal, you know, once it was obvious that the, the Bucks and the Magic weren't going to play and then all the other games got canceled. And, I mean, I was just watching NBA TV and the TNT coverage pretty much for the rest of that evening. And, you know, there were a couple baseball games that came on, but watching sports felt weird to me the rest of that day. And, I mean, see, seeing Kenny Smith take his mic off and walk off the set of Inside the NBA was so powerful. I guess, it, was, that, was there anything specific from, from that day that stood out to you? Just how long the day was in general? <laughs> I mean, that was a really long day, man. I mean, if you, when you think about everything that happened – um, from the games not going on at, you know, 4 o'clock 
um, you know, to all of the tweets about, you know, the Bucks are on the phone with the Wisconsin Attorney General and, you know, up to the next game that was supposed to happen, you know, the Rockets and the Thunder, um, seeing Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook put aside their, you know, philosophical differences that they have on the court and come together and talk about, you know, what they were going to do um, to the Lakers supposed to be playing that night. Um, to Kenny Smith walking off the set, um, you know, a, a bunch of different stuff. And, you know, what really stood out to me was just how long the day was in general to uh, some Major League Baseball teams not playing that day. Um, you know, you know it, it just – it's just a – it was just a powerful day. Um, and, you know, I think some people really underestimate it, you know, and the naysayers really underestimated what these players – would be able to do if, you know, they, they struck against playing. And, you know, that all, all they've done is turn this news cycle completely to what they want it to turn into, which is getting justice for, you know, the names um, that they really want justice for, you know, and that, that we would like to see justice for. Um, so, you know, I mean, the NBA – doing what they did. Like I said, I, I think the NBA is one of the most progressive leagues there are. There are. Um, I think they have the best commissioner in all of sports and all of the world. Um, and I think what you're seeing is, you know, really, you know, no surprise, you know, to the power that those guys have, especially, you know, not only in the league and around the world, social media, all of that stuff, those guys are really powerful guys. And I'm glad that they're taking advantage of their power the right way. Yeah, I think that was really really well put. And you described exactly what sitting out of these games does. And I, on that day, was having a lot of conversations, you know, just with some of my friends as this was happening. It was obviously a big deal. Everyone's talking about it. I was having conversations about it with my friends, and I understood it immediately. Like, sitting out of these games controls the narrative. It, they, couldn't re they felt like they couldn't be a distraction from what's going on. And it's, it's a powerful message to send. And I think there's a lot of people that still just really didn't understand what, they, what the end goal was, what they were hoping to accomplish, and what sitting out of the game really does accomplish. But I think it accomplishes a lot. I saw on Twitter, um, you know, we see the trolls all the time. And I saw, like, the first comment I saw was, oh, wow, these guys ended racism by sitting out a game. Congratulations. First of all, I need to remind myself that there are trolls out there and there are people that are not going to want to get what's going on. Second of all, these players are, are smart. They are not going to know they aren't going to end racism with sitting out a game. But what they did, you know, especially like let's, let's think about it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they control the entire narrative, like you said, of what's being talked about. So like I said, that all of that, uh, all of all of that talk about Damian Lillard and what was going on in the bubble and all of those different things, you know, that stuff stopped being talked about. What's being talked about now is Jacob Blake, Breonna Taylor, and social justice initiatives. Um, we've seen the NFL also cancel games or cancel practices. Um, the Washington football team canceled a scrimmage. We saw the Baltimore Ravens come out with one of the most powerful team statements 
of all time. Um, so, um, and that all started with the NBA and the WNBA choosing not to play basketball on Wednesday. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like games are going to start to be played again and soon, you know, I, I think there, I mean, there were even a few baseball games that did play last night, but it seems like we're getting back to actual sports being played soon. Oh, you know what? I just circled back and remembered a question I was going to bring up. How big of an impact do you think that the bubble played in the Bucks choosing to sit out this game in, in protest and just really starting everything? Because I think it, it seems like it could have been an entirely different situation and it could have been received a whole lot differently if they weren't playing in a bubble and they were playing in a home arena with 20,000 20, fans out there waiting for them to play a game. Yeah, so this is a unique situation, right? So obviously we're dealing with a pandemic as well. Um, so, you know, it, it, I think the message would have been received differently, you know, obviously in front of 20,000 fans. Um, that would have been, you know, that would have been really interesting to see. Um, and that would have touched the Bucks owner really, really quickly. Would have got him on the uh, phone with a few of his rich buddies um, and maybe got some real change going. Um, but the fact that we're in the, that they are in the bubble, um, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, they are impacting what they can, you know, from where they're at. And I think the fact that the NBA has been dominating the news cycle helped them out a lot um, as well. So, I mean, we, we, were, we were invested. Like, a, like you said, you were, had the TV on, ready to look at some basketball um, in the middle of the day. That's been cool. The NBA has been playing in the middle of the day. It's almost like March Madness. Um, but, um, you know, when they didn't come out, you know, so, you know, that was just, just kind of changed things. But I do think it would have been interesting to see them uh, do that in their home arena too. But, you know, we might be another year until we can even get teams into their home arena. Sadly, yeah, but I don't want to go down that road. I'm going to get depressed. <laughs> no, me, good. <laughs> Uh, not, not that this is a super happy, fun conversation to have, but it's, 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 right. It's, it's obviously important. Um, I guess so seeing this happen with these NBA players sending these messages, I guess for, for the people like us at home that are watching them, what impact is, it, is this going to have on just the, gener the average person that was kind of watching this and is now trying to kind of comprehend and gather their thoughts? Oh, man, it's... You know, it's, it's, it's multi-layered, man. And I think that, you know, and I say when speaking with friends all the time, you know, when going through this type of stuff, this stuff is so deeply rooted that there is no, <laughs> you know, one protest is not going to touch, you know, you know, you know, the people that it really should pro touch. Um, and, and one, you know, sitting out of a basketball game is not going to mean, you know, what it might to someone else. Um, but, you know, I think that it sets the precedent, first of all, that no longer are these black athletes going to stand and be entertainment without just being hurt, without being heard. Um, so, you know, my hope is that the message is received the right way um, and that the people that don't understand the message reach out to someone who understands the message and kind of, you know, sits down and, you know, gets that, you know, and, and if they disagree at the end of the day, 
been okay. But to understand the message and not try to, you know, make it into something else and hijack it and put it into what you think it means, um, you know, instead of what people are, are saying it for. Um, but I also think that there are people that, and, th and this is, I think, honestly, Seth, is the thing that people need to get into their mind, is that there are truly some people out there that do not want to see this happen, that do not want equality for, for people of color. And I think that's the thing that I, and I think that some of, you know, people or, or some of my, you know, my friends or some people that you see all the time arguing on, on Twitter and on Facebook don't get is that, you know, there are genuinely people out there that do not want equality for people of color. And I don't know. I mean, you could argue till you're blue in the face with them. It's just not how they're going to see things. Um, and, you know, that's, I think that's the thing with them, you know, that that's hate in their heart. So, I mean, what can you do about it? As much as you want to fight it and you want to, you know, debate them, you know, down, you know, some people, you know, are, are just like that, you know? So, I mean, I, I think that the message is going to get to the people who want to receive the message and want to be better people, want to be better Americans, want to be better humans. Yeah. And, and to me, I think it's about the, this movement and everything going on is about expanding that group of people that want to receive this message and the people that understand. And it comes with different steps for a lot of people. You know, over the last few months, something that I've found, whether subconsciously or purposely, is that I've kind of just gained a better understanding for the privilege that I have as a white person. And, you know, like, an example, like last month, I got pulled over, I got a speeding ticket last month. And, you know, I got pulled over. And, you know, it was a normal interaction with, with the officer, you know, I don't know, one likes getting pulled over. And everyone's just naturally gonna be a little nervous when you get pulled over. But I wasn't worried for my safety or anything like that. And I, and it just kind of hit me as I'm driving away, like, man, that's, that's privilege right there, not really having to worry about your safety when you get pulled over. And I, I think, the more people can kind of come to terms with, with, with the privilege that they have, I, I think it, it'll help people more understand what, what people of color really have to go through. And I, I guess I'm curious, what do you think of, uh, of that? Opinion? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I mean, like you said, I think that, you know, that this movement has helped some people understand that there is privilege in this world and, you know, it's not necessarily anything you did to receive it. You know, it's just that that's just how the world is in general. And look, man, I mean, every single, you know, traffic stop from a, for a person of color doesn't end in tragedy. I, I've been pulled over a bunch of times. You know, I'm still alive. What th That's not what people are saying. That's not what these these protests are for these protests are because when people of color are pulled over they are two or three times more likely to die than other people are it's not saying every time we get pulled over that somebody's gonna die you know i mean i have been pulled over i've been pulled over multiple times for what i you know believe to be uh 
you know, discrimination, uh, prejudice, and, you know, riding a, a different, a nice car. Um, you know, I have been pulled, pulled over for traffic violations. You know, I've been illegally searched. Um, I've been at the, you know, wrong hand of some uh, bad police jokes, you know, and things like that. Um, just, you know, from officers in, in this area on the Eastern Shore. Um, but, um, I, you know, I just want people to understand that, you know, people aren't saying that every time there's, an, there's a stop that people aren't wrong. Hey, you know, we might have, there might be a taillight out. You know, you might, they might have been speeding, you know, or they might, you know, something might be wrong. You know, that's, that's life. But for people of color to be killed, you know, not, not, not even talking about, you know, arrested or cited a ticket or given a warning or any, or let go for people of color to be killed two to three times, you know, at a at a two to three time different rate um, than anybody else um, is just alarming. It's just something that has to be has to be discussed, um, and then particularly with the police. Um, so you know, I mean, we could go back to how the police departments started in this in this country and what their original intent was. You know, so <laughs> I mean. You know, it's just, it just all makes sense when you think about it and how things are, you know, how things have transpired over these past 400 plus years as to why they still may be the way they are. But, you know, people are just, you know, I think that there are new allies um, in this fight and that's what's been most encouraging to me. I think what's most discouraging about it is like the young man that plays for the Mets said, there are genuinely people out there that are Americans that could not care less. You know, that part really is like, is really frustrating. Uh, but man, really, what can you do? What can you do? Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think, as you said, I think, I think everything that's gone on, you know, from George Floyd to Jacob Blake to everything that, and all the awareness that's been, that has kind of come to black lives matter because of it. I think it has gained a lot of new allies for the situation and gotten a lot more people speaking up. But here's what I see as a million dollar question for a lot of people, specifically white people. You know, I, I, I think I've made it clear exactly how I stand on this issue throughout this podcast. And I would like to think that my actions in my day to day life make that clear too. But there are times, and you know, I think there, are, I just think there are times where I kind of feel like, I wonder if I'm not being vocal enough and I wonder if I need to be kind of saying more or times that I'll even type something out like to post on Twitter and then just kind of delete it just because, you know, I'm not sure if I'm saying the right thing. And there's a different, everyone knows how they feel, but there's a lot of people that are, would probably be worried that, you know, sometimes I feel worried that I'm not formulating the right words and not saying it the right way and it can be misconstrued. And that's the last thing that I want to have happen. And, in some cases, I feel like that's caused me a little, to be a little more passive. And I can't imagine I'm the only white person who feels like that. So I guess, what do you say to somebody like that that feels like that? And what can white people, I guess, do to really be supportive? Yeah, Seth, I want you to know that the same thing that you're going through about being, you know, are you being vocal enough? And are you saying the right things? 
I don't think that that's just a white person thing. I think black people go through that as well. You know, when you are the, you know, when you are, you know, who's being represented, you know, you also have an obligation to speak up and, you know, and to want, you know, better for, you know, me, want better for my kids. So there are times that I'm on Twitter like, man, you know, I, I really need to say more. I need to do more. There are things in my community that I could be doing more. So I don't think that's, that's even a white person thing. I think that that is just an everybody thing. And I think something that, you know, can be, you know, you know, can be learned from everybody is just how to do more in general. I mean, you know, for myself, I mean, I even get on myself from time to time, you know, you know, there's tweets and then there's action, you know, and, you know, there's stuff that I could be doing. There's people I could be reaching out to. Um, so, you know, I try to do that behind the scenes and just try to overall make sure that I'm doing, you know, some, some kind of good, um, you know, but, you know, you, you know, in myself speaking, you know, you do worry, Hey, am I doing more? Could I, or am I doing enough? Can I do more? What can I do differently to try to get this message to maybe somebody who doesn't understand it, you know? So, um, but, you know, as far as like, you know, non-people of color and what they can do, um, you know, I would say, you know, I mean, don't think you have to, you know, go into a tweet war with some, with some, with people out there. Or, you know, I think I, I do think that the reception, um, you know, from the the community of color, you know, to the non-community of color has been really good. Um, I think it's up to you know people like yourself and white people in general to continue to you know, reach out to their friends and to their relatives um, and to, you know, their grandparents and try to educate on what, what exactly is going on. Um, you know, because my parents have been all through, through all of this. You know, my grandparents have, have, have been through all of this. Um, but maybe, you know, someone in your household or somebody in your family hasn't or doesn't understand why this is going on. But I can tell you unequivocally, my grandparents understand why what's going on is going on right now you know so just doing stuff like that and, and and if it's not work that can be seen then you know inside that you're doing the right thing and you're doing what you can um and the people that know you closely know where your heart is and, and at the end of the day man i think that's worth more than what people on the outside think well said well said um I know you posted this on Twitter yesterday, I think it was. I wanted to bring it up here to kind of bring a local angle to this. You were telling what local athletes looking to get involved with the cause or, and everything going on, it, local athletes in the area to reach out to you. I guess, are you connecting them with organizers or do you have something you're, you're telling them to do? Yeah, no. Um, so, you know, my, my goal throughout that tweet in particular um, is that, you know, there are kids – um, out there who feel the same way and who have been discriminated on and discriminated against uh, in their schools, you know, by, by teachers, you know, by, by friends. Um, we have a Zoom call that we do um, with, uh, with a coach, a football coach, a couple of football coaches in the Bayside with some players, um, you know, white and black, and we just kind of you know, share that dialect and share what goes on and, and share how things can be different and how, 
um, you know, how, you know, people can help other people. Um, but yeah, I, my, my idea is just to get kids with organizers, um, you know, and to get like-minded kids that want to, you know, see, see change and want to see a difference. Um, you know, you're never too young to want to kind of get involved and make your community better. Um, so, you know, I realize there's not a lot of place and a lot, not a lot of space um, for kids to get involved in that. I mean, even right now, um, with sports being taken away, you know, you're obviously around teammates and you're around coaches less. Um, so you get less of those messages and you get less of those um, times together. So I'm just trying to kind of get, you know, get kids that want to want to organize and and want to see better uh, in their schools, um, on their teams in their communities in general um, together and just figure out a way to go about that and organize the right way. That's really cool. And you're just having the, and you just want these kids, these local athletes or local kids just to reach out to you and you'll set and you'll set them up. Yeah. I mean, um, there are a bunch of, a bunch of different organizers. I know obviously, you know, with being reached out to and reaching out to people, a um, bunch of organizers. I know that, you know, would love to have, you know, some some grade school and some high school kids um, get out and, you know, you know, punch these initiatives um, and get things started and share their experiences um, and, and, and let people learn from them. You know, uh, I, I'll tell you in general, like there are there are kids or there's a, a, some kids in particular that I knew from a while ago. This is an instance from a while ago um, who got in trouble. Um, for, you know, basically berating a coach um, on a staff for what he thought was for saying something racial. Um, you know, so, you know, he, he was kicked off the team and, you know, ostracized and suspended from the school when he felt that the coach did him wrong. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, it's just about organizing the right way and getting, getting these kids in the right mindset so that if they do come across this stuff, your first instinct isn't to punch somebody, you know, or to curse, curse at them, you know. Uh, you know, as hard as that may be sometimes, um, it's just about getting them with the right people and connecting them and saying, hey, you know, what are these experiences, you know, and here's how you deal with them. And here's how we can go into these communities and demand the changes that we want to see um, at our school, you know, and in our classrooms um, and in our communities. How important do you think it is for high school, especially high school athletes who may intermingle with people of di from different areas of, of the state, maybe a, a tad more than your average high school student would? How important do you think it is for high school athletes to really get involved with this? Oh, man, um, I, I think it's very important. Uh, I think you know, the earlier that you know um, that, you know, that you're aware of these situations that you could be put in, obviously the better. Um, I think that, you know, you know, learning about discrimination and learning about racism um, and the things that it, that it does and, you know, the repercussions of it, not only, you know, kind of puts you, put kind of puts your guard up to it, but it kind of lets you know what to expect and how you can navigate around it. Um, so I think any kid that wants to get involved should, um, you know, if it's, you know, it's weird, man, because high school kids, I feel like you have to be really conscious to 
want to get involved in something like this. Um, but I do know that there is a demographic who wants to. Um, but, you know, man, Seth, when I was in high school, man, I didn't want to do anything but kick back, go to football practice, you know what I'm saying, hang with my boys, you know, and, and just chill. So, you know, but I do – and, and kids might want to do that now. But I do know um, just off the conversations that I've had that there are kids out there that want to organize and want to have a space where they can share their experiences without judgment. And there are even – there are white players that want to come in and ask the same question that you just asked. How do I help out more? How do I become more vocal? Or how do I get by without saying the wrong thing? You know, so, um, you know, and just based off the conversations we've had, um, I think it's very admirable because, like I said, man, when I was in high school, it's not even, you know, something that I was even thinking about. So um, I think, you know, things are trending in the right direction. All right. I guess, do you have any last thoughts on, on everything that, that's been going on? Oh, man, I have a lot of thoughts, man. I could <laughs> talk to you all day about this until I until you know it's time for me to go into work but man I just want to say overall man the people that are out there that want to receive this message and I, and I said it on our newscast even if you don't understand the message right now or you know the only thing you've seen is Black Lives Matter is this 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 and this and I don't know some of the stuff that I see online I've never, I don't know where it comes from. I don't know who, you know, I don't know what website they've seen or what, you know, Photoshop people have seen. To me, Black Lives Matter is a statement. You know, I think unequivocally, unapologetically, that Black lives do matter. You know, so I, I think that people kind of try to misconstrue the message and make it what they want it to be because they don't agree with that statement. Um, but, you know, I think that, like I said, slowly but surely, um, you know, I think that things are, you know, coming in the right direction. And, you know, it, it, it really makes my heart smile to see allies like you, you know, and, and, you know, wondering what there is more that you could, if there's more that you could do and wondering if there's more that can be done. I told a couple of friends and I'll, you know, hit you with this before I go. I told a couple friends um, that I felt the last couple of weeks, I honestly have been feeling down about this whole thing because these are issues that will last way beyond my lifetime. You know, so we are fighting for something that we are, we may never, we may never see, you know, because I fully expect this uh, movement and, you know, these talks to go on, you know, when I'm, when I'm dead and gone from this earth. But the thing that gives me hope is the progress um, that, that someone like my grandfather has seen, who's 84 years old. So if he, if he gave up when he was my age, imagine all the things that have happened, um, you know, since, he, he, since he's been alive. And I believe he was born in the 30s or the 40s. So all the things that have happened since he's been alive, you know, so that's kind of what, gives me a little bit of hope um that and you know some of the good people that i know um gives me hope in you know this whole movement you know it's just 
You know, we're not going to see it. We're not going to see a time where there are no racist people on this earth. And we're not going to see a time where there are no discriminatory, uh, you, you know, uh, policies in place. Um, but maybe we'll get to that point one day or maybe my grandkids, grandkids will see that point. But I think that's what this is all about. Um, so just want to leave everybody with that you know it feels it feels like this is a you know this, this is such a multi-layer movement and but man you can't be so selfish and talking to myself you can't be so selfish into thinking things that have taken place over the course of 400 plus years are going to change in the 70 to 80 years you might have on this earth you know so that's my hope man and you know i just hope everybody um just knows that everything in this movement means well. Um, and, and, you know, just, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I it with black lives truly do matter. Yep. I think that's the best way we can end this. So Trayvon, thanks for coming on. I know this wasn't the, the most fun conversation we could ever be, be having, but I think it was a really important one to be having and one that hopefully will reach people and will inspire local people to, to get involved. Yes, thank you very much for having me, Seth. Uh, not definitely not a fun topic, but definitely an important one. So I really appreciate you reaching out, man. And you have an open invitation to come back on whenever, and hopefully when high school sports come back and we can talk about sports again. Yeah, hopefully we get on the sidelines here soon. We'll have to see. Keep my fingers crossed. Trayvon, thanks. Thanks a lot, Seth.